The Uriguaze podcast channel is brought to you by First Nations Fiber. And welcome to the Uriguaze front page podcast. In this episode, we talk to MCK Chief Alan John Rice and Cattery Memorial Hospital Center Executive Director Lisa Westaway, and we discuss Quebec government's proposed Bill 96 and the potential impacts that this bill could have on the community. Have you ever been gaming or working online classes and your internet service constantly gets interrupted? First Nations Fiber is about to ensure that just won't happen again. Get ready for high speed at a new level. Click on fnfiber.com and sign up today. First Nations Fiber, empowering people through connectivity. Thank you, AJ, for for joining us on uh, today's podcast. The topic of discussion is uh, Quebec's proposed Bill 96. You know, we all know that this is a a very difficult piece of legislation for community Kahnawake and for all English speakers in the province of Quebec. Can can we talk about, uh, I guess, a little bit about uh, what what the MCK's reaction uh, to this bill has been? Sure. First, uh, thanks for having me, Greg. So Bill 96 is a far-reaching piece of legislation. A lot of time, from what we've seen, is it's kind of been sold as an education bill that it's only going to affect education and the way that CAC has been selling it as if it's going to, you know, only increase French class, French courses for post-secondary education, you know, through political analysis and really just reading the bill, you could see that it's going much farther than that. It has the ability to reach into uh, private businesses, uh, medical, the medical field, areas that really shouldn't be touched because of human rights issues. So MCK, when first one, when it first came about, it was brought, we'd, we'd been monitoring it. But uh, it really came to light when brought by a community member. She made the effort to go to all of the organizations in the community, as well as a lot of different different groups of, commu- of, of the community. So it got everyone together to at least start talking about the bill, realizing how detrimental it could be to us and really to just about everybody in the, in the province. So uh, the stance has been that we want to have an exemption from the bill. That's actually something that's going to be, that's going to be confirmed tonight at the community meeting, because uh, the, one of the ideas is to ensure that because it's been coming from MCK whenever we've been in the media saying that the exemption is what we're looking for, but we want to get that confirmed by the community that that's exactly what's being looked for. Ideally, the best thing for everybody would be to have the bill not be passed and have it essentially essentially the, the idea of the kill bill. And just important to note that we're recording this on Tuesday, mm-hmm. May 17th, and this is released on Wednesday, May 18th. By the time you listen to, to this, there, there would have been a community meeting that, you know, hopefully a, a lot of community members have attended. You know, one of the things, too, I think the, we're just talking about the education part of, of Bill 96. Currently, uh, if you're enrolled in an English uh, CGEP, you have to take two French courses. And, and one of the changes that, uh, to Bill 96 will require you to take three more French courses. And initially, the initial plan of the bill was to have three of your core courses done in French. So if you're taking health sciences or social sciences, then you have to take one of those classes in French, which would prove very difficult for a lot of English speaking students. Yeah, that's correct. Originally, the uh, the original plan that they uh, that they had proposed was to have three core French courses, which if unless you are completely bilingual is essentially impossible, especially for indigenous students that seem to have a more difficult time adapting and learning French. Well, English speaking indigenous students, I mean, there are a lot of the province that speaks French as well. Um, it's proven that it's more difficult. You know, it's essentially juggling a third language into it and trying to weigh the, the more importance of having your traditional language, the language you're speaking at home a lot of times is English due to colonization, residential schools, things like that. But now we're adding a third, now you're making a third language, which I, I can speak for Gunawagi, a lot of it is almost like a forced 
language, at least it was for myself and pe people I've known growing up. Nobody wanted to learn French because you were forced to learn it. And I find that that's kind of the issue with a lot of things. So now if with this bill passing, even though they're taking out the core courses and just adding five, three language courses, I can only speak for myself when I was in SAGEP, having to take those two French courses and not being really proficient in French really destroyed my grade point average. I went from having a high grade point average to a low. It stopped me from going to the university I wanted to go to. I had to go to back to SAGEP for an entire semester just for one French to try to pass it or end my academic career right there. That's important to note is because is, there's some courses, language courses that don't count, count towards your final grade and your R score. But these courses that through this change in, in Bill 96 is they're making it count towards your, your final score and which could affect your future educational opportunities, right? Yeah, that's correct. So essentially, if you, you know, if you're not good in French and you, and you fail, then it will drop your R score. And it's very difficult to get your R score back up once you have a low, like a, once you get a lower, a lower grade on there. And that, in, that impacts you going into certain programs, you know, it impacts the type of school you're going to. And you also self-esteem, you know, you could be doing great in other things. All of a sudden you have to take a course that you're not prepared for, you're not ready for. And for whatever reason, they've decided it's now the most important French, the import, most important course to your CGIP. And again, this isn't a knock on the French language. No, no, not at all. I think learning multiple languages is great. We're in a, we're in a place where French is predominant. And I think it's very, it's very needed. The thing is that when you're coming from an indigenous culture like Kahnawake, for example, now we're being forced with having to juggle an extra language in order to, in order to succeed and to, and, to move, and to move further. So we already have parents that have to deal with the, with the choice of sending their child to a Mohawk immersion, to a French immersion, to an outside school, you know, just to see because of how difficult you know it is learning, learning French in high school and in Sejip. So now we're adding more French to it. We, we're worried that it could be taking away from the from the possibility of learning our own language. So that's that's why we've you've seen there's been a few uh, a few statements that it could be detrimental to our students learning Kanyageha, because now you have to make that decision. Now with five French courses, a little bit of tutoring is not going to help. You have to be bilingual if you're going to be passing five French courses. And I think uh, if you look at at the other aspects of the bill, right, where it gets into businesses that are larger than 25 people, justice services, uh, health, uh, where this bill would make it more difficult for Kanawagaronu to get the services that they need in the language of that they're most comfortable with. Yeah, because um, not only much more difficult, but even more costly, because the translation is at the expense of the person who's going for who's at the customer. So if you can't deal with, if you can't, if you can't work within the language barrier, if you can't get past the language barrier, it'd be on you in order to, you know, to find someone who can help you or to hire a translation, someone to come with you to be able to translate. Same thing with justice, the documents would be in French completely. So you'd have to have someone translate that for you. And also it's just the idea that for us as, as indigenous people, we've already been forced to learn a different language and had a language ripped from us. So now even in 2022, it's being forced on us again. And again, I think, uh, you know, a lot of us understand where the Quebec government is coming from in terms of language preservation. But I think the the, the way that they're going about it is just just wrong because it, it's, it's creating an adversarial environment where, you know, all languages should be respected. Yeah. So I, 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 just to reiterate, there's nothing against the French language and people want to preserve their language is great. But if you're looking up at studies, the French language is not being attacked you know there's it's still the more predominant language in quebec worldwide it's still very widely spoken 
it's essentially the idea that there was zero, there was almost no consultation towards indigenous people and there's no there was no accommodation or exemption thought of for indigenous people it's the sweeping bill and it's continuing having the the provincial government trying to pass their laws and enforce it on 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 indigenous peoples although it does not it will not it's not going to be implemented on reserve it doesn't mean that our, our we can't live our entire life on reserve you know we have people you have to go outside for different services we have to access different services or we have to go to schools things like that so having to have this enforced on us is still essentially overstepping on our, that's how that's how i look at it as anyway i can only speak for myself you know, and over the last uh, last little while, the community has has really come together to 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 show its opposition to this this bill. Uh, as one of the, the the MCK chiefs that's that's working on this, uh, how does that make you feel? Oh, it actually makes me feel great because we know that our community comes together when things whenever we feel we're in trouble, threatened, or when something really matters to us. So it was great to see. You know, I commend um, the educa- uh, the KEC for putting on that for the initial march in. Um, in opposition last Tuesday, and then the more community members having ideas, um, coming together. The hard part is that we have to get more organized now, and that's what we're hoping to have accomplished in the next little while, because we all know that we have, from what we've been told, the bill can pass as early as next Tuesday when um, the National Assembly re- resets. Grand Chief Gustin Sky Deer had a very important meeting on Friday. Is there anything that you can tell us about that meeting? Essentially, the uh, what we could say is the meeting. She gave a quick update, but I'll just reiterate. So the meeting was with um, the minister, the minister of, of French language, yes. Simon Jolin Barrett. According to them, we're, we have differences in our interpretation of the bill, so they're looking to have another meeting set up uh, between Ganawage and the Quebec government to at least go through what what our differences are, what parts we believe are going to impact us, and what part and how are we going to get past this. The Grand Chief did give Quebec government a deadline of today to at least give us the notion of how this will work. Who's going to be sitting at the table? When's the meeting going to take place? And how far and what's going to be done? So that we don't, we'll have the update. Actually, that's what we're going to be updating at the community meeting. So I mean, it'll, it'll be yesterday when this, when this airs, but uh, that, that's where more information will be coming. There was a very large demonstration in Montreal over the weekend. Yeah. The MCK had organized uh, some buses to go so community members could go. And, and were you able to make it? I actually was not able to make it. I had a prior engagement. There were a few council chiefs that were there along with some community members. Some, we, there was a community member who spoke at the, who spoke at the rally. Uh, and it was great because of the large demonstration. It was really, it's, it was English people as well as Indigenous people. We have a different fight in this, really a different reason for it, but essentially it's the same enemy. Or don't want to really, it sounds more adversarial saying enemy, but it's the same, the bill is, 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 is impacting both of us. So it's important to kind of stand together on this. Okay, and is there anything else you would like to add, uh, you know, about this and, and how the community can move forward? Yeah, I think the way the community moves forward is to continue this unity, because it's great to see it. And the more things we can be unified on, the better. Presenting the unit, the united front is always going to be the best thing for us. Essentially, just to thank everybody for coming out and taking the time. I know everybody's everybody's busy right now. Everybody's overworked, so really taking that extra time after hours or weekends to put the to put the effort into into fighting this bill, or at least understanding how we can move forward in the bill. Okay, great. Now go. Now. And we're going to welcome Cattery uh, Memorial Hospital Center uh, Executive Director Lisa Westaway to the podcast today uh, and talking a little bit how, about how 
Bill 96 is going to or could potentially affect the KMHC once the bill is passed and into the future. Yes. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for, for making some time. The KMHC put out a, a, a press release uh, late last week about some of the potential impacts that this bill could have on the community. Yes, we felt it was important for a community to be aware of the health impacts on KMHC specifically or on access to health care in the public system. Uh, and that's why we put the release out so that people would be sensitized to the impacts of Bill 96. KMHC is really in a unique position in the community because you guys are uh, get a lot of funding from the provincial government? Yes, we do. However, that doesn't necessarily have any impact on our functioning because we still are, uh, through our 1984 agreement, independent, autonomous, able to de define our own service offer, even if we do uh, have funding from the provincial government. So I don't think that we would be subject to having to offer services in French necessarily. However, there still are potentially long term impacts uh, with respect to Bill 96 on KMHC specifically. So, for example, um, because there uh, are limiting, because um, access to English language schools will be limited, so a limited number of people will have access, uh, it means that it creates further obstacles for our community. And being a community hospital, our primary goal is to hire from the community. So less people accessing English language schools means less people graduating, meaning means less people in health professions, which usually requires further higher education, and therefore less ability to hire our own community members to take care of our own community. And that's huge. So we may not see that for many, many years to come. And it's not something that's that's talked about often, but we can see how over time, Bill 96 can have very small impacts on the community until all of a sudden you realize that you're no longer able to hire people or our community members will not have access to professional orders, for example, uh, because there are more and more requirements on completing French exams in order to be a part of a professional order. So again, these are all things that in the long term impact our ability to graduate in health professions and therefore work in the hospital. Okay, yeah, and that, that could be a, 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 you know, a very huge negative impact on, on, on the community, mm -hmm. right? Well, we, right now about 76% of our employees are from the community. This is a bit lower than what we would want it to be. We have we hover between 75 and 80%, but if we the higher we get the better because this is this is a place that belongs to the community itself and people feel safe here. So when people come for services, they know that they're going to be respected. They know that their, their, their choices, their culture, their identity will be respected. And so we want to be able to provide services with resources from the community as much as possible. Again, uh, KMHC will have no control over the services that community members need to access outside of the community in terms of healthcare. Yes, that's right. Now, 
we're we're starting to hear word that there are exceptions for access to healthcare in the English language, but we don't really see that clearly in the bill. So until the government explains what those exceptions are, we don't fully understand them. So for right now, as per my knowledge up to this point regarding Bill 96, what we see is that, well, first of all, and this is a personal opinion, I believe that the bill creates division, animosity, frustration between Anglophones and Francophones. And it will, I do believe that it will further enhance discrimination that First Nation populations have experienced for years and years and years in the public system. So that lack of cultural sensitivity, the discrimination and the fear that our our community has oftentimes in accessing the services in the public sector will be exacerbated by this bill. I, I that's And that's a personal belief. But Again, the lack of access to English education, the further obstacles that people will have in graduating means that there'll be less Anglophone workers in the public system as well. So even if there were exceptions, for example, to our community have being able to access care in English. Even if they were technically able to, the bill would limit people's ability to speak English in the system. And therefore, even if you could ask ask for an English psychiatrist, for example, it doesn't mean that you will get one. Uh, and it doesn't mean that one will be available and able to treat you in that language. And the less you have access to services in a language that you understand, well, then the less comfortable you are in accessing care, in requesting information, the less you're likely to understand your medical follow-ups, for example. And this will, over time, have a huge impact on health uh, health outcomes for our community. So I feel, and we feel in, in analyzing this bill, that it will, that health outcomes over time will decrease for First Nations communities, for our community. And this is huge because we already see a lot of inequities in access to healthcare that's similar to the rest of the population. And our health outcomes are already, we, we're fair much worse off than the Quebec population. So I'll give you an example. Our diabetes rates are 2.5 times higher. Those people who are diabetic are more likely to have unstable diabetes than those in the Quebec population. Our chronic illness rates, our heart conditions, our rates of obesity and of mental illness, they all rate higher for First Nation populations than in the Quebec population. And this bill will only serve to make those outcomes even worse, actually, because of the lack of access, the lack of, I guess, the the fear that it causes and the lack of trust that it will create in the health system in general. And, and, and there's already a lack of trust in within the healthcare system by Indigenous people in Quebec. I mean, we just have to look back to, you know, 2020 with uh, the Joyce Echequan instance in, in Joliet. Exactly. Exactly. And and that is a form of discrimination that we believe Bill 96 will will exacerbate. It's, a, it's the perfect example of what I was explaining earlier, where this type of a bill, in a sense, it just excludes the importance of any any other language or or culture. And that I know that may not be the the meaning behind 
the implementation of the bill. I don't think that the goal is to exclude other languages. I understand the goal is to protect the French language, but I I think that the secondary impacts of this bill are going to be much more far-reaching than the government has analyzed. And I think that they need to do that analysis. It's extremely important to ensure equity, equitable access to healthcare for all of the population. And it's only going to impact us further in the future. And and that's the other thing is that when, you know, if we just look to the end of our nose, basically like to tomorrow, will this bill have an impact? Well, you know, critics can maybe argue that there will there's no there's no direct impact to first nation populations but if you really look long term i believe that over time there will be incremental uh, impacts that all of a sudden we're 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 going to you know have this these we're going to have these health outcomes that are going to be analyzed and and you know you're going to be kind of scratching your head and say well how did this happen where did it come from well bill 96 will have had a huge impact I believe in the future. Okay, great. Y'all go. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Y'all go, everybody, for listening. Our other podcasts, like Meatheads and The Beating Table, can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. and opinions of the guests expressed in this podcast do not reflect those of your DWSA and its employees.